when we feel ourselves in the moment, we place ourselves into the now and the past and the future disappear. Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, biz leader. On this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with Pauline Dugald. She is a creative focus coach who combines artistic approach and neuroscience-based peak performance tools. She is trained with Robbins Madanes Institute, Flow Research Collective, is a precision nutrition L1 certified coach and has a degree from fine arts school as well as a graduate of an interior design program. She had the opportunity to learn from prominent leaders such as Tony Robbins, Peter Sage, Stephen Cutler, David Hawkins, Joe Dispenza, Michael Jervis, Tom Campbell, and many more. So she basically combines her knowledge of interior spaces, neuroscience, spirituality, psychology, and physiological aspects in order to reshape the views of the world and unlocking creative potential. Pauline has a passion for motorsports and approaches life as a race where developing creativity and acceptance of failure can mean a difference between life of fulfillment or one of regret. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot Communication, the business leader's preferred cloud phone service. But without further ado, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Pauline. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited for the conversation. But just a note for yourself, Pauline, and for those who are listening, there might be a drilling sound in the background, something that was not planned. But on the 11th floor of my building where I am, there's guys just hanging outside, just moving up and down. So hopefully Don, our, our, our magnificent sound engineer, could get rid of it. But Pauline, thank you again. Um, can you, I guess, just take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners. Let us know who you are and what you like to do when you're not, when you're not leading and creating um, businesses. Yeah, very excited to be on this podcast. It is uh, my pleasure to be here and share my worldview. Who I am is I'm a multifaceted person. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I'm a mother. I'm a coach. I'm all kinds of things. And through that, I try to bring all of the best parts of me on all the things that I discover and unite them in this cohesive way with the most authenticity I can bring to the table, with the most truth, the most kind of creativity, and then make something new out of every day. So who I am as an artist, first and foremost, and after that, all the aspects of me that come out of that kind of come out of the inner artist. Yeah, you know, and I like you know what I love, Pauline, how you self-identify as an artist, and I do believe you're an artist um, by training, by passion. And one thing that came to mind is when I think about my daughter, who's six-year-old at the time right now of this recording, is that she loves to create. Um, and I feel like humans, myself included, when we're young, I think we all probably identify as artists, creators, engineers, builders. 
And then society pulls us back and says we do that. So how is it that you were able to with keep that identity with yourself as you as you grew and built out your career within coaching? That's a great question. And actually, I never identified as an artist until later on in life. At the beginning, I was learning. I was training in the art and the fine arts. I did it. I had a school during my high school years. So I was becoming. So at that time, I didn't quite feel like I was an artist yet because artist was supposed to be something bigger. Then um, my art and my skills were always with me. I was always painting and drawing, but I never quite identified because I thought artist would be something totally different. It has to be like in a special box. And I kept going through my life, expressing my creativity in different ways. And only after I kind of found coaching and put my effort and my creativity into that channel, did I really discover that I was a creative, despite of what I thought before, I realized that, yeah, I am actually an artist. And that realization came after years and years of kind of putting art on the back burner, not uh, creating because life got in the way because things were too busy. And um, so the, self-identification with an artist was a developmental and experiential way of me to become some someone who I truly am. And it took quite a lot of years, actually. Yeah. And what you just said there, it's, it's, it's something that I am. It's not something you become, right? Um, and I think that journey and something for myself even is as I, as I create a lot of things in my life, including writing, um, you know, social media conversations or whatnot. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm not an artist, but I am an artist. I am a creator. And it's it's such a mindset shift in terms of that and, and just, just really a different. Anyways, that was more on the personal side because I love artists. I live in Toronto, um, right downtown Toronto, like right beside the, uh, it's, it's the artist school, the Ontario College of Art and Design. So I have friends that are in this. Um, it's just something that I just love to be around. So it's always this... Um, it's just a fresh of breath air when I speak to you. But one thing, one thing I was really curious when I was, you know, researching and excited to have you join the podcast is it when it comes to flow. Um, but before we even get to that, I wanted to get your perspective, your thoughts of what flow state is. Yeah, that's a great question. And to reflect back to your previous uh, statement, I, I, I used to live in Toronto for the longest time. And I my favorite street was Queen Street because of all that creativity that is just on that street. And um, the flow, flow state, what it is, is so for me, I discovered words for something that I was looking for all my life through art, through creativity, through self-expression. I was looking for that something. And then one day I discovered terms for it and I realized that people were talking about it. And I started researching further and further about it. But what flow state for me is, it's that moment when Theory, technically speaking, it's when you perform your best, when you feel your best, time slows down, your sense of self disappears. But more so, for me, it's a window into that potentiality, the quantum field potentiality where anything is possible. It's that moment in time when things feel like you can do things, like you are capable, like everything is aligning and moving forward and you feel like you are here in this moment for a reason. So those moments are 
extremely rewarding. They feel great, although sometimes they don't feel great. So there is a combination. There is a dichotomy to that polarity and almost kind of a contradiction. But overall, when you come out of that state, everything before that seems worth it. Yeah, that's amazing. So, I mean, it that's such a high abstract description and thinking about ways to reach it i guess personally speaking i know you talked about you know we talk about art and i know you have interests in in motorsports how did those types of activities allow you to reach flow and what's happening during those times yeah that's a great question and so Flow expresses itself totally different to each individual person. It is a highly unique experience, and every individual will have its own personal approach to it. However, we do know of some commonalities among it. And so the key thing is the focus. Flow follows focus. So when you're focused on something and you're fully immersed into it and all your mental energy is going towards it, flow will occur which means there has to be a sufficient skill present for whatever that you're doing. And there has to be sufficient interest present in whatever it is that you're doing. So for me, the art and motorsports, I do have skills to create art and I do have skills in motorsport. Let's say it's motorcycle riding. You got to know how to ride a bike in order to get in flow. So there is all of that. However, there's a very another very critical component, which I don't think it's being talked about much, and that is interpersonal connections with other people. We can know all the tools there are, all the science, how to hack the flow state and what to do and how there are triggers and blockers and all of that. But without others present, it just doesn't work. There have to be other people. It might be a solitary activity. Art is pretty solitary to me, and sometimes riding and motorsports actually is a solitary activity. But there are people involved. There are connections that happened when you are creating something. And they might be not noticeable, but they are there. And they are essential for the flow state to occur. And beside that, there's, of course, mindset. There's, of course, biology and physiology. It all needs to be lined up. But those all aspects come together to create this experience that, in the end, produces remarkable results, and it feels extremely rewarding. That's really fascinating when you talk about the interpersonal aspects of getting into flow. And what I was thinking about is... um, I know one of the activities that I've described in the past that get me into the moment, and that's the way I used to describe being into flow before flow was being talked about, was snowboarding, right? I was a snowboard instructor, um, and I could just I could go down in easy blue and chill out and have fun and enjoy the moment, but I guess from what you're saying, two things is you got to sort of push yourself. I'll probably be more in the moment if I'm going down the double diamond, (laughs) making sure that I'm pushing my limits. But at the end of the day, did I ride with someone? Can I share that experience with someone? And then that will bring it full circle. Is is that is that what I'm hearing correctly? Because I could ride by myself all day, but if it's it's not really fun if you're not sharing it with anyone, right? You hit it right on the nail there. It's exactly the thing. And there is a fine line between pushing too much outside of the limits and being bored. You have to be pushing a little bit, but not too much. And that's called the challenge skill ratio because your skills have to match the challenge, 
but they have to be just slightly less than the challenge. Challenge has to be just a little greater. So maybe, and it's called 4% greater, like go figure how you're supposed to calculate that. It's very abstract, but your perception of the challenge needs to be a little bit greater in order to put more focus into it. But also if you just by yourself going down the mountain all the time, it's going to get bored no matter how much challenge you have. You need to share that experience with others. You need to have the community that you can uh, express yourself and share and everybody would understand what you're going through because if you're just going in a vacuum eventually it's just gonna drive itself into the ground there will be no energy left the energy has to bounce back between people that's why people do things in teams and groups they go out to the to the slopes together because that's where the joy is and we are social creatures we humans are very social and uh, if anything last two years showed us how much we need that connection and flow just makes those connections flourish so much more potently than uh, if we just sit around drinking coffee with no point inside, really. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's that, that's a huge point. And what I'm thinking about is for the listeners, for those who may not be doing extreme sports or running down double diamonds to, to, to achieve uh, that 4% ratio, um, one thing I thought about and, uh, you know, and get your thoughts about is, you know, when someone's like, okay, this, this flow state is great. Like, what can I do? And I don't want to get dangerous and do this. I started thinking about running. A lot of business leaders, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they do some type of running. And I, I ran the Berlin Marathon two and a half years ago before COVID. And running is an individual sport. Running 42 kilometers, man, your mind gets nuts. But at the end of it, that shared experience with 30,000 other people, even though you're not talking with all of them, <laughs> I think that group, I think there's a term called group flow, right? Like just being there and all experiencing the same thing without even talking with each other. Is that is that something that maybe those who are listening could think about different ideas of how to you know grasp this flow state? There are endless ways to get into flow state. And yes, you are correct. That, that is an example of group flow. And uh, what happens in running is actually at some point, it's re really difficult. It's really difficult. The body needs to start to get going and everything feels uncomfortable. But eventually, scientifically, there are something happens at one point, which is a release of nitric oxide. It's a gas that is produced by a body, which actually eliminates all stress chemistry. It just works to flush it out. When the stress chemistry is flushed out, you have a lot more opportunity to reconnect with the deeper thinking. Your inner critic goes away because stress is no longer there. So there's a lot of those things and it becomes almost like a moving meditation as you are rhythmically moving the same way continuously on the worries of the day sort of float away. And so it becomes that way into a different state of being for the moment and for the marathon it's even more so because you have to stretch yourself for a long period of time so there's a lot of aspects involved i, I was just doing the i'm doing the podcast right now about the um, overland rally the motorcycle rally where you ride for 24 hours continuously <laughs> And that requires all kinds of aspects of you to shift from your daily life. You no longer operate in the same way as you do on your Monday to Friday. It's a total shift. And at the end of it, 
the group of people who shifted in that way have all experienced growth within themselves through that difficulty, through that challenge. And that brings people together. And so that is the one opportunity to get in flow for sure. And there are many more. There are music brings people together, singing, dancing, anything, actually anything that brings body awareness for, forward is the key to the flow state in my world. Sometimes we have limitations to what we can do with the body, but the body feedback is the key. For me, the, in art, in, the, in motorsports, there is a clear reflection of an immediate fe feedback from the physical, from the body. How is it moving and what's it doing and visually or kinesthetically? And so that is a very, very important thing. So if people want to know how they can get in flow, they can consider what are the physical activities that they like doing, that they can do with others, that they are skillful enough to do that will give them sufficient feedback so that they can feel themselves. Because when we feel ourselves in the moment, we place ourselves into the now and the past and the future disappear. So when we are in the now, that state that everybody talks about, that is when flow happens. And that's when we feel our best. That's a great... Thinking about leadership, managing teams, bringing flow state or creativity into, into, the, into the workplace, what are some activities that, that leaders can do with their group to really perform or come into, uh, I guess, to create or to, to create new things for the teams or put it out there? Like, what, what have you seen or what have you been implementing with, it, with, with the people you work with? Yeah, in the last while, the number one thing I've been implementing is the co-working sessions through Zoom. You just gather together on Zoom and you work side by side while seeing each other and chatting with each other about nothing specific. That is like the easiest way, especially in the current times. But other things that I have experienced myself were retreats where you actually do things together. There was once that I went for a bike tour of the wineries in the Niagara region. The group of us from work went together. We rented bicycles and we were riding the roads from winery to winery. It was extremely rewarding because you were having fun together with the members of the team. There was another time when, as a team, we were solving puzzles. It was fun. It was outside. Element of nature always, always brings people together because we are of the nature, so we should be more in nature. The more we are able to get out into the outside world and do things together there, that brings people together tremendously. And the key to that, I believe, is the concept of the group flow. And the group flow is those times when people feel like they're all included, they're, they belong, they, their opinion is listened to, and they feel safe in that environment so that even if they make a mistake, it will be okay. And that's when those experiences happen back at work, things move a lot better because people all of a sudden know a little bit more about each other. And um, one thing that I observed recently interviewing about um, uh, Overland uh, Motorcycle Rally is that the people who were 
riding together on the trail and had a communication devices. They were talking continuously for the whole entire day and sharing that experience and just bouncing back and forth ideas, keeping each other on track, making sure nobody got uh, left behind, making sure that all things were working together. And that process of constant communication has brought them together so much more. It uh, almost reminds me of the hunting parties. If you think back to the days when a group of people were going out and they were, they had a common goal. They had an idea of exactly where they wanted to go, what to do, and they worked together on it. And they supported each other and they all felt part of it. And so that is what I see as the key to bringing teams together and leading them into the better creative mindset. Because later when that ends and you're back at work, creativity will continue flowing for a bit until it kind of exhausts itself. Well, that's great. And with with your example, with the driver speaking with the earpiece, I immediately put a connection to your very first example of co-working session. I mean, even though they're not co-working, but they're sharing experiences, but it is having that channel or that communication mechanism in between to to understand someone's there. To understand because even in Zoom co-working, which I've done, even though you're not talking or you t- turn the mic off, you have this sense of okay, we're doing something together. Right, so I think that togetherness, that group, is um, it's very important for for I guess productivity, for creativity within your groups, within as as a leader, and 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 it sounds like, and maybe I don't know the science, and maybe you do, maybe you need to do these retreats every three months or every month. I don't know, like to continually to to bring up that creativity, that, that connection, connectivity or that, that flow as well. Um, but that, that, that's super interesting. Yeah, no, exactly. And it doesn't have to be that often. Like even once a year is better than none, but the more times people are able to get out and just be themselves, the better it's going to reflect on work because people are always afraid to be themselves, especially at work. They are petrified that they will be judged, that they will make a mistake and something will go wrong. So they hide within themselves. But what they need is actually to expand themselves and be more of who they are. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I'm curious, Pauline, what are you reading right now um, in terms of what's what's, what's on your bedside table? Well, actually, I am reading a whole bunch of stuff at the same time. I'm not the one book kind of person. I just can't, <laughs> okay. can't seem to stay to one. So I'm reading a whole bunch of papers about flow. I'm reading um, a whole bunch of information about how to make technology work since I'm making podcasts right now and creating things and all of that. Beyond that, I'm also reading books such as Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. I really love his books. Um still finishing up the book um, Art of the Impossible by Stephen Kotler about the flow. And um, also on my list of things is um, um, The Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. So all of those things kind of, they, they flow together. That's kind of, I bounce from idea to idea because I, I need the variety of information and life gets in the way and sometimes I would stop one book and I want some different frequency of information I go for another book and so it kind of flows together for for duration of whatever time it takes 
Yeah, that's great. And we'll definitely put those those links in, in the show notes for those who are interested in the books that Pauline is reading. And I, and I know personally, I read the first, uh, the first two. Um, <laughs> but those, those are all amazing books. Um, Pauline, I, you know, <laughs> I know before we recorded and we had some technical issues, you and I could connect and talk about flow all day and share our things and co-work and stuff. But I, I guess before we end, I'd love to get some final thoughts, observations. Ideally, um, Pauline, what I'm trying to look for is some actionable recommendations that we could share for those who are listening, interested in flow. Like what what would you let them know today? Yeah, the actionable recommendation is that you need to figure out yourself in order to do something for a long period of time. Flow does not happen momentarily. It's a building up process and it has to stay there for an extended period of time. So you have to find your own way of how to consistently continue doing something. It's not something that you can do Monday morning and and on Tuesday, you're going to get in flow. You kind of have to have a setup period, preparation and maintenance and consistent um, consistent movement forward and staying with that difficulty because there will be a lot of struggle and struggle is required for flow. So becoming comfortable with being in struggle, being in an uncomfortable place often is the key. But also it has to be based on something that you really, really like doing. It's Passion has to be there present to some extent so you can talk about it, so you can share that experience so that you continuously can can keep coming back to whatever it is. So there is no quick fix solution, but number one thing that everybody should consider is how much energy is currently going out into your digital devices. They sap a lot of electricity from our from our brain, from ourselves, because they're designed to be kind of addictive. So anything you can do to turn off your notification, I actually even turned off the color of my phone. So it doesn't pull you in as much as it's designed to do. Any blocks, any kind of barriers that you can put between you and your devices will save you more energy so you can figure out what it is that you want to do, so you can figure out what is the best course of action to make better decisions. And uh, it's a long drawn out process. And if you really want to be on the journey towards flow, it's a lifelong process. So yeah, the, yeah the, it is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong practice. One thing you reminded me, Pauline, I should put on the grayscale back on my phone because man, if you've ever took off color from your phone, it's so boring. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that you, you want to get off. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm putting this out there. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna put it on for 30 days. I'll see. Not. I'll see. I'm gonna maybe get off and stop giving 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 my phone the energy as well. But uh, Pauline, it's been a pleasure to close. Can you let us know where we could find more information about you, your programs, or anything else you'd want to share with us today? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I'm uh, on all social media platforms. I'm on YouTube as a creative focus. My website has all the links to it. It's www.paulinedougal.com. I'm on Pinterest, I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, just my name. You can search it and you can find it, Pauline Dougal. And um, I'm trying to create as much of the interesting and creative content as I can, all time permitted um, but that's the easiest to find these on my website and then it leads to all other platforms Pauline it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for joining us on the business leadership podcast 
Thank you. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 168 with Pauline Dugald. Oh, man. I really love talking with her. I mean, she is basically the intersection of focus, art, and neuroscience. Everything that I am focused on, what I love and what I like to do and what I like to learn. During the interview, what really hit home for me was when she said that there's a fine line between pushing too much outside the limits and being worked. You have to be pushing a little bit, but not too much. And that's basically something that she called the challenge scale ratio. And what came to mind when she was sharing that in our conversation is when I was younger, when I was snowboarding, I would push myself. My mind would go to the double diamond, which is way, 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 way outside of my <laughs> my skill set. And I would fall. Luckily, I never hurt myself too seriously. So definitely understanding Maybe the green is too easy, the blue, the black, diamonds is probably where I like to be. And how do I challenge myself? And how do I increase it? It was, it was really great. So for more information about Pauline, her business, or any other resources we shared, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 168. Or of course, click the show notes below. I'd love it if you could share this episode with three like-minded friends. And tag me. Tag me at edwin100x. I am... I'm active on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get your thoughts and and just say hi to you. This episode was brought to you by Slingshot Communication, the business leader's preferred cloud phone service. What I really like about the service is that I am able to have my own business SMS number. I mean, before it, it was difficult to separate my personal and my work life. When clients would be sending me a text message on my personal number at any time of the day, interrupting me, I'm with family, I'm on the weekend, I'm on vacation. But with Slingshot, I get my own number. I get to not only make phone calls, but I could do SMS messages. So during off hours, during weekends, I don't even reply. I don't even see it. I don't even see it unless I want to. To learn more, go to thebusinessleadership.com slash SMS. And by the way, if you haven't done so yet, please give the show a follow, leave a review and a comment on your favorite podcast player. I, I really do enjoy and love reading those comments. But until next time, do your best and have a 100x day. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.